and gentlemen, welcome to America's Auto Enthusiast Program. This is Auto World. And now, here's your host, Bob Long. We are America's longest-running syndicated automotive show. Started back in 1992, kind of moved around different time slots for a few years, but in uh, June of uh, 1995, we settled on this time slot and have been there ever since. And we want to thank all of our great stations and listeners along the way. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure you folks have as well. We are going to be playing a little bit of trivia in this hour, too, because lately I haven't been doing too much trivia, so we'll throw out a question And we'll also give you an opportunity to throw our special guest a question. Who is the mask man? Well, the mask man is our certified lubrication specialist, the CEO of thelubepage.com, Dan Watson. So if you have any questions, Dan can help you out in the area of lubrication, certified Lubrication specialist with more than 25 years experience, former nuclear propulsion engineer for the United States Navy, and uh, just uh, one of the the best resources out there in the entire world. He's one of the largest Amsoil dealers in all of North America, and he joins us live right now from uh, Florida. And let's see how he's doing, Dan. Thanks so much for your time. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing well, Bob. I just want to let our listeners know if they hear any loud booms, it's not that the war zone or I haven't gone back in the Navy. We're not shooting guns, but it's Mother Nature out here in a lightning storm, a big thunderstorm going down on top of me. So if they hear that, so, don't be concerned. That's right. So common this time of the year in, in central Florida, and some of those storms can get uh, quite feisty. I've been reading a lot about uh, fuel economy lately and and specifically about using synthetic oils to improve fuel economy. Is this true, Dan, and are some synthetics better than others when it comes to raising fuel economy numbers? Well, it's a very good question, and... I'm going to answer it completely, but I want to start out with a couple tips for people that I learned in this this thing about fuel economy that uh, was a little bit surprising to me. And so here's something for our listeners to know. The number one issue with fuel economy in your car will be whether you keep your tires inflated. If your tires are running two pounds below their recommended pressure by the manufacturer of your car, uh, you can lose 5% fuel economy. If they're running uh, 6 or 8 pounds low, you can lose 10 to 15% fuel economy. So one of the things that we are notorious of, as far as American drivers, is checking those tire pressures. We just don't do it, you know. And used to, when you and I were young, Bob, especially me, it wasn't uncommon for you pulled into a full-service gas station Oh, sure. I checked all your tires and aired them to the correct pressure and checked your oil and checked the water in your windshield washer and checked the radiator and all those kind of things and filled it up for you, and that was all part of the service. Well, we don't get that anymore because we pull into the self-serve gas stations and we fill up our tank and we do all our stuff, but we never check those tire pressures. Mm -hmm. 
And I went and researched this some, and everything I ran into talking about what is the number one cause of loss of fuel economy, and it's low pressure in your tires. So I wanted to bring that up because it's something that at least it was a surprise to me when I, you know, read it and uh, educated myself on it. And I would bet you that a lot of our listeners are not aware of how much that affects fuel economy. And so, folks, if you're listening out there, check those tires and uh, keep them aired up to the maximum pressure that your auto manufacturer recommends, okay? Now, remember, sometimes they're recommending air pressure for the best ride. So you can go a couple pounds over that if you don't care about a little bit rougher ride. If you want to get the maximum fuel economy, you can. But just keep those tires aired up. Now, the other part is, is that your car itself They've done wonders to make them aerodynamically, uh, you know, good for the road. But one of the things that you'll see every once in a while is the guys that are really paying attention is the guy in the pickup truck, right? He's got the tailgate off. He might have a little, uh, what they call a little uh, cloth gate put on there, which is just webbing. But that back tailgate, when that air comes over the pickup and rams into the back and catches on that in the back of the truck, that's a good 5 to 10% fuel economy knocked off. So when you let that tailgate down or some people would take it off and put this webbing across there, bang, up comes the fuel economy. So these are just tips that you learn when you look into this stuff in depth. Now, when it comes to oil, yes, synthetic oils can provide you with better fuel economy. But here's something to understand. Most of the quality petroleum oils, when they meet this designation as a fuel-efficient oil, they, too, will provide you a better fuel economy than the standard oils that don't carry that. And part of the reason is, quite frankly, is they've gotten thinner. You know, when you go from a 50-weight oil to a 30-weight oil, that can be good for, in depends upon the motor, the vehicle, anywhere from 5 to 10% fuel economy dropping down from a 50-weight oil to a 30-weight oil. So therein lies the secret to why we're now everybody's in a 20-weight oil. It's all about maximizing that fuel economy. And the thinner oils take less energy, if you will, to move the oil pump to pump it, and also they have less what they call hydraulic drag, not friction, but hydraulic drag, which is a function of the thickness of the oil in tight places. So anyway, the answer to the question is yes, you get better fuel economy with synthetic because it has a lower coefficient of friction and also that you can get away with running 0W20, whereas if you were running a straight petroleum 0W20, you'd be, you'd be having some wear problems before long. So having these synthetics available to get to these lighter weight oils is going to provide us with the best possible fuel economy with those lighter weight oils. Now, there's a trade-off, and we have to know when it's, trading off and it's not working, that we start to get past the factor where we can show the best wear protection. We don't want to go thin to the point to where we lose our wear protection and we start having unusual wear in the engine because we're running around with oil that won't hold its viscosity. So there's a number I've talked about in times, and just I'll tell it to the people if they look it up. It's called high temperature, high shear. And that's a test that the manufacturers require the oil companies to run to make sure you meet a certain uh, viscosity protection at 300 degrees and 1,800 RPM. So that's a requirement in all these new oils that they meet a certain minimum spec for that. 
and the 20-weight oils that meet that, you're in pretty good shape, uh, especially if it's synthetic. If it's not synthetic, if it's a blend or some other cheap thing, what's going to happen is when it gets to elevated temperatures, it's going to lose that ability to hold that protection. So, uh, yeah, go to thinner oils, go to synthetic, get better fuel economy, but keep in mind you, you are doing a trade-off of maximum protection versus maximum fuel economy. That's some great advice there. And, you know, typical of the summer months, the gas prices have gone up a little bit. And, and every little bit of money you can save here in 2018 is a good thing. Well, I promise you, if people check their tires, I would bet you right now, Bob, if we could go out and check, and we went out and checked 20 cars, we'd find 15 of them that would have low pressure in one or more tires. I bet you're absolutely right. And, you know, it, it's funny living in Florida. I mean, it's all self-service gas stations. In Massachusetts, there were a few full-service gas stations available. In New Jersey, they're all full-service, but nobody's checking your tire pressure. Let's take a pit stop. When we come back on the other side, we're going to go to your questions. The first one is from Juan in California. This is Auto World. I'm Bob Long. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you very much for being with us. My name is Bob Long, along with our go-to guy when it comes to anything in the realm of lubrication, synthetic oils, and much, much more. He's got a wonderful web page, uh, website, thelubepage.com, and tons of videos up on uh, YouTube. Dan, did you ever count the, the total number that you've got up there? I think at one time I had about 70, I think. Wow, that's, yeah. that's now, a lot of work. People are on me. They've been on me for a while to make some new ones. So if anybody out there listening wants me to make new ones, believe me, I'm I'm going to get started. You just have to give me a little time to get caught up here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, before we get to Juan in California, we want to talk to uh, somebody from Decatur, Alabama. And he has written in a question here, Dan, I've heard you talk about low-speed pre-ignition, but I don't understand why it only applies to direct injected engines. Please explain. Well, it's really straightforward. The process to get this uh, low-speed pre-ignition happens when the uh, engine is, say, at idle or lower RPM, and the injectors actually drip some fuel in. And that fuel uh, doesn't have to be a lot of it, but just enough of it that it will combine with some oil, make a large enough amount, and it gets on the crown but the side of the crown of the piston. And then when the piston is coming up in the compression stroke, the gas and oil mixture that's in that uh, side of the piston that got stuck down on the side of the crown, it gets thrown up, if you will, pushed up, Slinging it, if the best term I can use, it slings it up into the volume of the piston area in the cylinder. And then when that compression comes up, it doesn't wait for the spark plug to fire. It goes off before the spark plug 
than the timing of the engines for that spark plug that set it off. Now, it only applies to direct injected engines because they're the only ones with an injector actually in the cylinder where it could leak raw fuel into the cylinder. You have a multi-port or throttle body injection on the uh, other engines. And what that means is I've got an injector. If it's multi-port, I've got one in each one of the intake um, pipes on the manifold that goes down to the intake valve. Well, I got a huge amount of air whistling past there. And when that injector injects, that stuff gets mixed in the air and it's just all mixed up, uh, what they call fully uh, atomized or mixed up as it comes in through the intake valve into the cylinder, then that piston is coming up, that valve is closed, creates the compression and the ignition sets it off. Well, there's nowhere there that you can get liquid fuel into the cylinder. Same thing with the throttle body. It's like a carburetor, except it's called a throttle body injector and it just has an injector that puts it into the airstream just like the carburetor did and divides it up for that single jet that it goes into the air <clears throat> intake, goes down through the intake manifold into each one of the cylinders. Well, again, that's fully mixed up. There's no place where you can get this raw fuel. So it's not going to happen in regular multi-port fuel-injected or throttle body injection. It's going to only happen where there's an injector sitting in that cylinder that could drip some raw fuel into the cylinder that could get trapped with some oil. Now, this is the key. Oil can be blended in such a way that it will not support that combustion process. So one of the requirements in the new, uh, well, they got a rating that's going to be intermediate here, but it's going to be called SN Plus before they come out with the SP. And one of the requirements to get the S in plus rating is that the oil will not participate in low speed pre-ignition. Okay? So for our people out there with direct injected engines, right now you'd be looking for the new SN plus rating on oils to know that they've been formulated to resist low speed pre-ignition. Now I might say from AMSOIL, 100% of the AMSOIL line of products will not participate in low speed pre-ignition. Uh, they wouldn't from the beginning. It's just the way you formulate it. It's not particularly because they're synthetic. It's actually the combination of the way you do your additive package and what you do, and, and so it works out that none of them would participate in it. But that's the important thing to remember. SN Plus, to get that rating, the oil has to be able to stop this low-speed pre-ignition, and also that you will not have to worry about it unless you have a direct injected gasoline engine. So I hope that that clears it up. That sounds straightforward, Bob? Yeah, that definitely clears up a number of questions that folks have had. It's a little bit complicated, but you you did a real good job. Now we've got Juan in California. Uh, he writes to us, we have several UTVs in use on the farm. Does AMSOIL make oils for these machines that's a good question and why don't we explain to folks off the bat too what is a utv well you know everybody gets the term atv all-terrain vehicle right a utv yeah. is a utility vehicle okay and what it is you've seen them in commercials there's these they look like these little 
uh, sort of buggy trucks, if you know what I mean. It's like the front end of it looks sort of like a four-wheel ATV, but then it's got this little uh, bed on the back of it where you could haul hay or you could haul fence posts or some things like that. It's usually four wheels, and they're, they're really dynamic little vehicles, and they're very popular now throughout the anything to do with agriculture because they can go all over your farm and you're not having to try to drive your big pickup truck and you can get to wherever you want to go uh, much easier than trying to walk. And I was talking with someone recently that's in the cattle business and they actually use two or three of these just to herd the cattle from one pasture to the next. So very useful vehicles. Now, they're like ATVs in the fact that they have similar engines and drive systems. They just have different bodies and characteristics. But these little machines can cost you five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars a piece just for a standard one. And if you get some better features in it, so to speak, you could be out eight, nine, ten thousand dollars. So they need to be protected and they run small engines and they run very hard and they push them to the limit in these type of situations. So having a good quality engine oil is going to do well to save that little machine from running itself, you know, really just right into the ground because uh, they do the kind of work that we probably would have done in a small pickup truck before, and yet they've got this usually small four-stroke engine that might only be maybe, Bob, I don't know if it's 1,200 cc's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just a small engine, so you're only going to have a quarter to oil in it. You've really got to protect it. You definitely do. When we come back, more of your questions. 855-660-4261. Bob at AutoWorldRadio.com. Dan Watson at TheLoopPage.com. This is AutoWorld. Don't go away. Cycle and he's always heard it's not a good idea to use synthetic in an older Harley. There's something about roller bearings sliding. Can you give me the straight answer? He most certainly can, Matt. Hold on for Dan Watson from the Lube page. Well, I'll tell you. If I've had to talk about these sliding roller bearings once, I've talked about them... I don't know how many times, Bob. They don't slide. They roll. And see, here's the misunderstanding about these roller bearings. People are thinking that I got this roller, right, and it's not going to roll if the oil is so slick that it would just slide over it rather than roll. But the misunderstanding is what makes a roller bearing roll. It rolls due to pressure between the roller and the race that it rolls on. Now, what creates that pressure? It would be the shaft 
shaft that's in the center race putting pressure on the other side of the roller, okay? So when you have pressure and that pressure traps the oil, this really thin film of oil between the race and the roller itself. Now, that oil is under enough pressure. Imagine, you can think about this for, the, for a moment. If you had a round pencil, that would be the roller, right? Just take a little half-inch section of that round pencil and say, that's the roller. It's not very big. Mm-hmm. But imagine that the edge, if you were to try to look at that thing and, and you could see how much of it is actually on a good flat surface, it would be an area not even as wide as the tip of the pencil lead would be what's laying on the flat surface on that round roller. So that little tiny area, which is what is making the contact, which has oil between the race and the roller, creates intense pressure. And that pressure makes that oil between those two surfaces function virtually like a solid rather than a liquid due to the pressure. And so that pressure exerts pressure against the race and against the roller. And the roller has to move. So it rolls because of the pressure being pushed against it with that shaft already moving, right? So in other words, there's a race already moving. This roller's trapped between two of them, so it's got to move. It has to roll. In the great world of high-tech lubrication theory, I'll put this out one time and then I hope people can just not have their eyes roll back. That little regime there is called elastohydrodynamic lubrication, okay? And I only put that out because to let you know, this is a scientifically derived thing. I'm not making this up from my own intuition. This is a well understood phenomenon of roller bearing. But it's not understood by the old Harley mechanics that didn't know what this meant. And they're talking about these roller bearings sliding because they, the oil's too slick. Well, by the way, Harley makes their own uh, synthetic oil. And ever since Harley came out with that synthetic oil, Screaming Eagle synthetic oil, the rumor story mill about sliding roller bearings just disappeared. And it's because once they had a synthetic labeled Harley, there was no concern for sliding roller bearings with synthetic oil. So, folks, it was a a mechanic's tale with no basis when it started. It's the same nonsense as it was then. And the best thing you can do for your Harley-Davidson, because they run hot, they need the best oil they can get, they need an oil that will not break down, and I suggest that you run... Amsoil's uh, premium synthetic motorcycle oil, but Screaming Eagle is a good oil. I mean, if you're on Harley and you're gonna just you got to buy it with the Harley label on it, then move up to their Screaming Eagle synthetic because they've paid a, an outside company pretty good money to make that oil. So it's, it's not a bad oil. I think you can do a little better with the Amsoil, and I think you, we can give you better prices on it. But at least use Harley Screaming Eagle. Don't go back to the petroleum. Uh, do yourself a favor and your motorcycle a favor and keep it a long time using a good synthetic engine oil. And you're going to use a 2050 in those because they run hot. So I hope that explains it without getting too deep in the weeds, Bob. 
No, you did a great job, as usual. Dan did not get too far into the weeds. I like that expression. Let's uh, talk to George in Portland, Oregon, KPAM. I have some older tractors. They're all diesel. Can I use the new CK4, or do I need to stick with C... CI4, I think. CI4 plus diesel oils. Well, they ask a good question because these older engines, they don't, especially uh, tractors. See, CK4 is really tailored to do the job for these diesel engines that are turbocharged and they got all this sophisticated uh, new uh, exhaust systems with the diesel particulate filters and the catalytic converters, urea tank, uh, nitrous oxide uh, treatment tank, all this kind of stuff. Well, that is not on any modern tractors, nor is it on any older tractors, okay? So, of course, they can use the CK4 oil, okay? They can. And if they were my tractors, I would continue to look for the CI4 Plus because it's a more robust additive package of zinc and phosphorus for the things that those older tractors, the the design of those, they could do better with the better anti-wear package that you might have in the new CK4. But will the CK4 do the job? Yes, it will. And, and it's going to get harder and harder for people to find CI4+. Plus. I mean, 2007 was the last year that it was the standard call for. We're talking about 11 years ago. So it's getting tougher and tougher to find it. But... It's still a very good oil for the applications that it went into. I'm happy to say that Amsoil continues to make that oil uh, just because the demand never seems to go away. So if the people want it, they keep making it. Now, the new CK4 from Amsoil, the max protection diesel oil they make, it will outperform the CI4 Plus formula from the old days. It is just a most remarkable synthetic diesel on the market it has six times the Detroit diesel uh, wear factor that the test that's required. I mean, it's just across the board, it's probably the best diesel oil that's been made in the country. And I don't say that just because, uh, you know, that it's Amsoil and I'm associated with Amsoil. You can evaluate this. You can compare it to anything you want. It is one of the best products that they've ever made. And uh, so if you are still using CI4+, Plus, we can get it for you. I don't know how much longer, but you're going to have a hard time finding it in your local parts store. The problem you'll run into is you'll find an oil that'll say CK4 satisfies CI4 plus and CJ4 oils. When it says satisfies, of course it means that it's backward compatible, that you could use it. But most of the CK4 formulas out there don't have the anti-wear protection of the CI4 plus oils. Now, the new Amzo CK4 exceeds all those things just over the top, but uh, just because they say that it can be used as a substitute for CI4, they didn't say that it has superior qualities to the CI4+. Plus. So anyway, that again gets off into some of the things. But these guys that, that stick with the CI4 Plus oil, they are adamant about it. They want it. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Telephone-wise, give us a call, 855-660-4261. Email bob at boblongradio.com. Dan Watson at thelubepage.com. We're coming back with lots more.
Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I was enjoying that bumper music, so I let it go just a little bit too long. We've got uh, Dan Watson from the Lou Page, CEO of thelupage.com. He is a resource, and not only uh, during the program here, but in our archive form, in podcast form, on demand form. If uh, you want to hear a rebroadcast from your phone, you can just go to GCN Live and then type in uh, Auto World and and it will give you the different satellite receivers and sometimes even coordinates and stuff. So that's uh, very cool indeed. Paul, we were talking about a variety of things, including uh, the uh, ATVs from... Uh, from the Midwest, and um, why don't we move up to a, a new question. This one is from Georgia. I have a 2014 Mercedes, and I heard you talking about special European oil. Is this something I need to be concerned about? It's typically just getting past the oil change, and don't ask much about what they put in. I think I... Well, he's not different than most people. A lot of people pull in and say, change my oil, okay? <laughs> yeah. I, I just like to give people the advice that if you don't care what they put in, the most too many times they don't care either. So be careful. Make sure you always pay attention and ask for oils by, by their name. If you want them to use Valvoline, then if that's something they got, tell them you prefer Valvoline. Uh, we hope you'll say that you want Amsoil. But if you want them to use a particular oil, ask them for it. Uh, I would personally advise you to stay away from the bulk oil, whatever it is. Use something that is more premium and that uh, will give you better protection. Now, this Mercedes, I don't think I have to tell people that Mercedes are not cheap. It costs a lot of money. So here's the deal. If you got a Mercedes-Benz, for goodness sakes, give it the best oil that you can because if you take care of one of those cars, I guarantee you it'll last you uh, a million miles and uh, 25, 30 years, okay? That's one thing about those Mercedes. They're built like a tank. They'll go on and on and on if you take care of them. They also put about eight uh, to nine quarts of oil for the capacity of the oil pump, and that's because they believe in... A large volume of oil gives you better protection. Well, guess what? All of the U.S. manufacturers coming around to that. Now you see a lot of vehicles with seven quarts of oil coming from the factory instead of where they've gotten down to four before, and that's just not a lot of volume of oil. Now let's get to this special European oil. Here's the thing. The Europeans actually have a classification system that is different than the American Petroleum Institute system here in the United States. We have API classification, and we like to use the one shoe fits all. So we have, for gasoline engines right now, we're in the SN rating. And as I said earlier, be looking for the SN plus. It's, it's the next level before we get to the SP, which will be the one after that. Mm-hmm. And diesel oils, we're at CK. Okay, CK4. Now, here's the thing. European oils have five levels, folks. Five levels of certification, uh, and they're fairly complex, and uh, I wouldn't want to try to explain them here. You can find it on my website, thelooppage.com, but 
the thing about it is, is the ACEA is the governing organization in Europe that sets the standards for the oil to be purchased. And they go pretty much by what Mercedes and BMW and Peugeot and Renault and these guys tell them they need for their cars, and they have different levels so that they can make sure that you get that level of oil. And their top rating is a, is a premium oil, virtually all synthetic, and it requires oils that have extended life, long drain intervals, high performance, high temperature rating, significant anti-wear packages in them. They're very sophisticated. So on this Mercedes, if you're going to put oil in it, you need to look for oil that on the bottle would have the ACEA ratings that match the ones in your owner's manual, okay? And a lot of companies are responding to this. Mobile has European auto oil. Castrol now has European auto oil. But the very first people in the country, believe it or not, to bring out a specified European auto oil was Amsoil Synthetics because Amsoil believes that you need to make the oil to meet the requirements specified by the manufacturer and that you should not try to put sometimes everything in one bottle or one specification because you really can't do that. You sometimes have to specialize and make oils that meet higher levels of specifications because that's what these cars are calling for. So it's it's not a, a complicated question. It's a simple answer which says, Use a European auto-rated oil if you've got a European auto. Do not depend upon the API SN rating. In almost, uh, at least 80% of the time, that SN rating will not satisfy the European auto manufacturer's oil standards for your European auto. So if you're pulling in someplace and they don't know any better, and God bless them, some of the quick lubes may fall into this category, they just don't know any difference. So they put, you tell them to do an oil change, and they put the standard stuff that's in the bulk tank, and it's probably a low-grade SN-rated oil. And next thing you know, uh, these these people somewhere, the engines are wearing out, and they don't know why because they're putting in this cheap oil. And if you own a European auto oil, you're going to have to learn what that stuff means, and you're going to have to ask for the right stuff. Bob, this was so bad a number of years ago that Mercedes had the, they're one of the first companies that had the, oil change light on the dash that it would come on and tell you it's time to change the oil. And of course that doesn't sample oil. That's just a that's just an algorithm that a computer uses to say how many miles you can go depending upon how the engine is used as far as temperatures and fuel fuel demand and all this determines how hard it's working. Okay. So they had it set up using assuming you were going to use oil that would beat the ACEA standard from Europe. Well, there's a bunch of engines failing here in the United States, and Mercedes was beside themselves. They didn't know what was going on. And then when they realized that in the States people were not using the required oil, they came out with a uh, letter because they honored their warranties, but they came out with a letter and said that the only way you could use that installed light on the dash was if you used a synthetic engine oil that met the ACEA ratings, the European ACEA ratings. And if you weren't going to do that, change your oil every 3,000 miles with U.S. Uh, North American oil, okay? 
So this is real important stuff for our European auto people to understand. It hasn't changed. The, 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 the need, it seems, or the drive in the United States that we're going to have this one API-rated oil, SN, that's going to cover all these specs, it's just, it, it can't last much longer. And, in fact, the, when the SP oil comes out, they're going to have two types. One is backward compatible and one is not because they're going to zero W16 rating, and the SP rating on that will be a non-backward uh, compatible oil. It may meet that spec, but that means that none of that zero W16 can be backwardly used in anything else. So finally, they're going to be splitting the spec for the SP rating so that we'll have more than one qualification oil there. But I, I, this gets complicated, but it is so important to European auto owners to pay attention to this because it's so critical to the life and the good performance of your European automobile. I, I just emphasize it, Bob. I don't know how to say it any more straightforward than that. Yeah, well, that's a good way of putting it, Dan. And an, an excellent, excellent question. Let's go to... Uh, when we come back I don't on think the we're going to have time to finish him, Bob. Yeah, we'll have to hold him for another week. In the meantime, give out that telephone number and that all-important website. Website is thelubepage.com. That's thelubepage.com and the number, phone number, 800-370-2986. Thank you, my friend. That will do it for this hour of Auto World. I am Bob Lawrence.